So, Henny, we're, we're doing Genesis, reading Genesis. We're going through this book of Genesis together. If, you're, if you just got here, that's what we're doing. Um, I hope is some of you brought a Bible. Um, if not, man, I would really encourage you to bring it next week. If you brought a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up to Genesis chapter 1. And the way you find that is you go to the beginning of your Bible, and then you flip over a few pages. Uh, maybe your Bible's on your phone or your iPad or whatever, or just, you know, it'll be on the screen. But I really want you guys to, to, to start bringing them because I think it helps. And, and I'm one of those people, and there are people who are going to get a little mad at me. I believe you can highlight in this thing. I believe you can actually highlight and make some notes in your Bible and do some things. And, and if you're uncomfortable doing that, I get it. Just make notes and highlight in your neighbor's Bible. And that'll completely solve that problem. So listen, I'm going to read a lot of scripture this morning, okay? We're, we're going to, um, the entire Genesis chapter 1, we're going to read through together. And, and that's probably the most scripture I've ever read on a Sunday morning. Um, but let me tell you this, if, I, I, here's why I want you to pay attention today, especially. We're going to read a lot of scripture, and sometimes that can feel a little teachy or dry or whatever. But if, if I could somehow convince you that in this one chapter, you can find the purpose for your entire life. Would you listen? If it, you can find the purpose for your marriage, for your singleness, uh, for your job, for every single thing, the purpose for your very existence, then one chapter won't seem that long. Like you are going to find out today the reason you are here on the earth, the great question, and we're going to find it out in about 26 minutes, and that's pretty good. So stick with me, but let's flip open and let's get started. Genesis chapter 1, and it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the literal translation of that is, in the beginning, God created the earth and the sky, the land and the sky. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the breath of God, was hovering over the waters. Okay, let's, let's stop here for a second. And this is going to be our rhythm today. We're going to read, stop, read, stop. In the beginning, God is there, and he is creating a world, and he's doing it inside of a partnership. And the partnership is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We found out last week in John, Jesus said in the beginning, I was there too. I was with God, and I am God, and I was with God in the beginning. And so God is creating a world inside of communities, partnering to create something. And the significance is, it says there's dark waters, and the Spirit is hovering over the deep. Uh, that means there's chaos, there's chaos and there's disorder, and God moves in to bring order where there is chaos. And you need to know this because this is going to have, this is going to be, remember, when we're reading Genesis, what are we not looking for? Anyone? Dinosaurs. <laughs> That's right. We're not going to get bogged down in the seven minutes, seven hours, seven million years, who cares? We're not going to get bogged down in the dinosaur debate. When we read Genesis, we're looking for themes. And so a theme you're going to see is partnership, all right? So stick with me. And then it says in verse 3, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was the evening, and there was morning on the first day. Okay, what is not... God just said, Let there be light, and there was light. What has not been created yet? The sun. But there is light. And so some people, well, how can there be light if there... Okay, I get it. I'm with you. Have y'all ever seen a sunrise? What do you see before you see the sun? Light. So perhaps the ancient Hebrew who was writing this wasn't dumb. He was just observing exactly what you and I observe first. Before you see the sun, you see the light. And that light must come from God. And there's another theme in this one. When he sees the light and he calls the daylight, what does he say? It's good. 
And so you're going to see another theme as we go through just Genesis, this first chapter, that God is a good God. And what God creates is also good. We'll see it over and over. All right, let's go. Chapter, uh, verse 6, excuse me. And God said, let there be a vault or a dome between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning on the second day. Okay, hold on, just, just for a second. I want everyone to shut your eyes just for one second. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, open your eyes. You've got a mental picture of this, right? It, you, you have a mental picture of God creating the heavens and the earth. So just someone shout out something like, we're in church, guys. Someone shout out something that you see in your head. Dinosaurs, get out. Where is security when we need them? I knew one of y'all would be here today. Golly, Moses. Dinosaurs. What else do you see? Thank you. What else do you see in your head? Stars, land, globe, right? You see globe? I think when, when, when I see, I mean, especially when I used to read this before I'd really studied, like I see a globe and I see the earth right here and I see the heavens out there. God created the heavens and the earth. But what an ancient Hebrew would see is, it, it says it in this verse, God, there's waters above and waters below. And so God creates this dome that separates the waters above from the waters below. And I mean, it's, it's what they would see is a round, flat sphere, a circle, a round, flat circle with a dome, with water above the dome and water below the dome. It's a snow globe. They're seeing a snow globe. Like, Y'all ever seen the Simpsons movie? They're seeing what they lived in. I've never seen that. <laughs> That's what they're describing. They're not describing a globe down here in a heaven. So it's very different. So let, let's read it from what the author wants us to hear, not our own agenda. All right? So what they're seeing is different. That's cool, though. Verse 9. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land and he gathered waters and called them seas. And God saw that it was good. All right. So now he's made land. Who needs land to survive? We should all raise our hands for this one. Unless you're Aquaman. <laughs> Is Aquaman here? Like, we need land. So what is God creating? He's creating an environment where something, some sort of thing can be made and sustained for the purpose of worshiping God. God is creating an environment where he will be worshiped. God is building a great big church where all of creation will worship God. All right, let's keep going. This is fun to me. Verse 11. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. Okay, we got a shift coming here. Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees. And the land will bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. And the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their times, the kinds and trees with fruit according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning on the third day. Okay, so in the first sentence he said, And God said, let the land produce vegetation. So now God is creating, and then he creates something. He creates land, and then he gives the land purpose. And the purpose of the land is to partnership with God to create life. Land, I'm creating you, and you will have a job. 
And we're going to see a theme that everything God creates, he gives a job and a purpose inside of his creation. And the purpose and the job of the land is to partner with God in creating life. He's, he's like, land, you've got a job. You've got a reason for being. There are no accidents in creation. Everything has purpose. All right, so let's keep going. Verse 14. And God said, let there, oh, by the way, here comes the sun. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let, them be, and let there be lights in the, in the dome or the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made stars and he set them in the, in the dome of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night, to separate night from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day. Okay, so God creates the sun and he creates the moon and he creates the stars. And then what does he do with them? He gives them jobs. He says, all right, welcome. I've created you, son. Now get to work. Some of you dads need to hear this. It's time to have that conversation with your son. <laughs> time to get to work. It's time to get to work, boy. So God creates the sun, right? I'm glad you're here. Get to work. God creates the sun, and he says, all right, sun, now your job is to govern the day. You, you, you and I are going to act in partnership. I'm in charge, but I'm giving you a job. You will govern the day. And he creates the moon. He says, moon, you will govern the night. And then he puts all the stars, and he says, you will guide people as they travel. And, and like, he gives everything a purpose inside of creation. There is nothing wasted. The sun, the moon, the stars, the land, it all has a job. So let's keep going. In verse, I think this is verse 20. Or, yeah, verse 20. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which water teems and that moves about it according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw it was good. And he blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. And fill the water and fill the seas. Let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning on the fifth day. God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made wild animals, the livestock, and all the creatures that move along the ground. And God saw that it was good. Okay, so God says, all right, sky, now you have a job. Birds will fly there. And then he says, birds, while you're flying, or probably not while you're flying, but like reproduce. <laughs> I don't think they can do it while they're flying. But like reproduce. I'm not a bird expert. Reproduce and multiply. And then he says, see, I've given you a job. You will bring forth all the life in the sea. And oh, fish, you will reproduce and multiply. Land, you will bring forth animals and livestock. And the animals and livestock reproduce and multiply. Every single thing is given a purpose and a role inside of creation. And the purpose and the role is to bring life. Everything is bringing order where there is chaos. God is partnering with his creation for a purpose. All right? And so he, he's been doing this, and, and then he gets to this next thing he's going to create. And this is where the story changes a little bit. Because in this one, God does something different. He's been speaking things into existence. He's been sending out the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. He's been sending out the word and speaking things into existence. Then he changes his approach. Watch this. In verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, 
so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them, and he blessed them, and he said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. See, he's doing something different now. He creates mankind in his image so that mankind can rule in the image of God. And he says, rule over the birds and the seas. And so mankind starts duck hunting. I'm like, I get that, God. <laughs> y'all, y'all stay on Genesis 1, but I'm going to flip over to 2.7. I want to read this with what we just read. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. God's done something unique here. He's created man from dust, which the name Adam, this is a story of Adam and Eve. The word Adam actually means dust human. It means human formed from dust. So the name Adam means dust human. So God forms this human from dust, and instead of just speaking into existence, he forms him in God's image and then does something unique. Puts his breath in him. The spirit of the living God. The breath of God. So that man might have life. Real life. He says, all right, I've created you in my image. And you will rule over everything. You will be my deputy. My under shepherd. You're going to image me in the world. Over all of creation. You're going to reflect me in creation. So, man, I'm creating you, and I'm giving you purpose, and your purpose is to reflect me, that wherever you go, it will be as if I am there, that wherever man is in creation, it will be as if God is there in creation, because you will be monuments to the king, and everywhere you go, people will see me, and everywhere you go, people will experience life and joy and peace and hope. You will be my image for the world to see. Now, go. This command to man. And then I love humanity, actually. And then and it says, and then God rested. I didn't put that scripture on the screen, but you can read it. It says God rested. Isn't that beautiful? You know why he rested? Because he wasn't having to do all the work by himself anymore. I mean, think about it. You're, you're creating an environment, and you're like, okay, now I'm painting. Now I'm putting concrete. Now, but eventually, wouldn't you like some help? God has found this divine partner, this this human partner that will work with him. So it's not like creation ended in seven days. What ended in seven days is God doing the work by himself. And it says he rested, and I don't think it means he went to sleep. I think like God created all these things, and then I see him backing up and sitting down on a throne. He's not resting as someone who's tired. He's resting as one who is the king. He's looking over all of his creation, and he says, this is good. This is good. Image me in this world. Bring forth life in this world. And this lasts for about a page. Get to that next week. But but remember, I want to keep us focused on significance. Because I think it's going to be easy uh, to get lost in this story. But, but I really think it matters. The significance is Adam is dust man. And the name Eve actually means life. And the word Eden is not really a proper noun. It means delight. It's a word meaning delight. Edens are they're, they're delights. And so the significance of this story is that God brought forth humanity. And he whoosh, 
breathed life into it so that we might live in a world full of delight and that we might be delight for the world. That's the significance of the story. And then listen, I'm, I'm going to say this and take a sip of my water first because someone might not like this. We'll have to work on courage for a second. Okay. I don't believe, for, for, we're talking about Genesis 1, okay? We're just talking about Genesis 1. I don't think it matters whether you believe this is poetry or whether you believe this is a literal seven-day story. I think what matters is that you see the significance, and that is God created the world so that the world might image God for the world. And the reason I say that, some of you are like, I don't know, trust me. It's it's, like you are allowed to have questions, and you are allowed to not understand this, and you are allowed to let your children have questions, because if we try to, to shove this down everyone's throat, as you must believe this is an absolute literal story, you close the Bible instead of opening it. Guys, we have things that we hold on to as deeply essential in this room, and that is God is the, Jesus is the Son of God. He died on a cross, and he rose from the grave. But how you approach Genesis chapter 1, I'm not sure it matters as long as you end up in a place where you understand that God is the author of all things, and you were created to image God. Everything you do should image God for the world. Even marriage. Some of you are like, oh, no. Yes, even your marriage is designed to image God for the world. Listen, this is chapter 2, verse 24. It says, that is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and becomes one flesh. This is why man, so God in this very first chapter addressed man getting a job and leaving his mama in the very first chapter of Genesis. (laughs) Some of you need to reread. This is why man leaves his father. Why? It says that is why man leaves his mother and father and clings to a woman. So what is the that? It says that is why man leaves his mother and father and clings to The that is everything that's come before. We leave our mother and father and cling to a wife so that we image God for the world. See, when a man comes together with a woman, God creates a man and a woman, male and female, and when they come together, these are two different beings. Like, different. Like, so incredibly different. Like, one, different. Different. And when these two completely different beings come together to rule for the purpose of imaging God, God is seen in that image. Remember, it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit ruling together, creating inside of community. Different, but the same. One essence. Unique, but distinct and together. Man and woman coming together to rule. It's the image of God for the world. Now, I want you all to hear this because I think it matters. You don't only do that through bearing children. I think somewhere along the lines, maybe it was the church or the world said, if you don't have kids, no, that's not true. You can image God without ever having children. I know some beautiful, life-giving couples who do not have children who are still the image of God for the world. Don't, Don't take that on your soul, okay? And I also want you to hear this. You can be single and image God for the world. Matter of fact, in Matthew, Jesus talks about some people choose single life for the purpose of imaging God. You can choose that and image God for the world. God gives us so many ways to be life for the world, but you were created to bring life to the world. And this is only possible through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, you and I are able to bring life to the world. 
What was lost in the garden, and we'll talk more about that next week, can be regained through a relationship with Christ. I mean, because you're, you're going to read Genesis. I hope we're, we're going to go through a bunch of these stories, and we're going to see God searching for this, this divine human partner who would not fail him. And he finds Adam, and Adam fails. Eve fails. Moses fails. Noah fails. Fail, 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 fail. Everybody just blows it. And eventually what we're going to see is this is all pointing to something, and what it's pointing to is a perfect partner that God will use to restore what we broke. And the perfect partner that God will use to restore it is... Jesus. And so we can experience this, this little bit of Eden, because guys, Eden isn't just the beginning of the story. Eden is the end of the story. Eden is not just the start. It's the finish line. We are returning to Eden. We are returning to a life where we're close to God and we're living in relationship with God and where we're one with God through Christ. That's where we're headed. And although it's going to get a little bumpy along, there's going to be a little turbulence, especially in the next few pages. But this is where we're scheduled to arrive. And the application of this for our life is this. Everything you do, everything you do in a relationship with Jesus is imaging God for the world. So when you serve and when you give and when you love and when you're kind and, and when, you, when you tip your waitress like a decent human being and when you're, when you're kind to people and when you drive in traffic and don't lose your cool, like e even when you take care of creation, like even when you pick up trash or recycle, every single thing we do is God working through us to restore what we broke. God isn't just going to restore the world one day to return us to Eden. God is restoring the world right now through us. And where we are, it should be like a little floating garden of Eden so that the world can experience some God. Where we go is the collision of humanity and divine. And so everything you do matters. Everything you do has purpose. When you go to your job tomorrow... Will you, will you bring life or will you just stand around and complain? Now, this is, that's, that's, that was rhetorical. It was like an obvious one, right? You're going to bring life. In your relationships, are you bringing life? When you see trash, are you picking it up? Or are you just stepping over it? Like, are we bringing life to the world? Because that is what we exist to do. And if you feel like you're missing out on life, it's because you're not living life as it was purposed to be. Life as it was purposed, life as we were created, is a life where where we go, there is life. The creation story didn't end in seven days. It's still happening through you and I. We are still doing it. We're still creating. We're still bringing life into the world. And so whatever you do, do as if you're doing it under the glory of God so that the glory of God might be revealed through you. This is what you're designed to do, guys. This is what we're designed to do with the way we live, the way we laugh, even with the way we mourn. We are the image of God for the world to see. And so my hope is that as we read through this story of Genesis, again, and, and the reason we're trying to open it up so much is so you don't lose the point and the purpose. There's a term, it's called imago Dei, it means image of God. You are the image of God for the world to see. So when you leave this place today and the world sees you, 
Will they see God?